I'm Nancy. I'm Joseph. Welcome to the Teach My Teen About Money podcast. This is the podcast project where we invite money nerds to share their wisdom and experience with my son, Joseph, and me. I'm a freshman in college doing finance and accounting, and I'm here excited to learn. Let's get started. We are joined today on the podcast by Rachel Murphy. She is a coach and she is author of the entertaining and very useful book, I Am Not Your ATM, A Practical Plan for Teaching Your Teen to Manage Money. Well, welcome, Rachel, to the Teach My Teen About Money podcast. We're really glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Rachel, tell us about you and your work. Um, Well, first of all, my main job is I'm a mom to five kids, age eight to 24. So I'm pretty busy there. A couple of years ago, my family and I, we decided to start teaching teens life and leadership skills because we saw that that was an area that a lot of kids were lacking in. And we just started making videos and that led to a podcast, which I am the main host of and my three teens take turns co-hosting with me. And from that, the people in our community, kept, you know, I would ask them, what do you wish you had learned as a teen? And they would say, I wish someone had taught me about money. And so I started teaching in the group. Um, so we teach our kids about money. And that led to a book, which just released last month um, called I'm Not Your ATM. So I'm a book author too. And that's me. Well, and I wanted to follow up about your book because I love reading and, and I love the title. Um, I am not your ATM, the subtitle, a practical plan for teaching your teen to manage money. Do you want to share with us any one or two major takeaways from the book? And obviously people should read the entire book. We'll share that. <laughs> sure. I feel like a lot of people in our generation, parents of teenagers, they just were not taught about money and we had to figure it out on our own. And It wasn't necessarily because our parents were evil or bad. They just didn't know how to teach us. And they didn't see the need because when they were kids, they couldn't get themselves into a whole lot of trouble because they didn't have credit. They didn't know how to teach us to avoid credit, you know, other than saying credit is bad, you know, and what does that mean? You know, a lot of people in our, in our generation don't know how to teach their kids and they feel inadequate and they feel maybe I'm not winning with money myself. Who am I to teach my kid? So I wanted to set it up so it was practical. It would be just a part of your life. So we just, instead of, uh, most people spend thousands of dollars on their teenagers every year. And normally they just come to us, ask for money, and we just hand it to them or pay, pay the bill or whatever. So we designed it so our kids get a salary once a month. We figured about how much we spend on them. And when they get to be fifth or sixth grade, we give a little bit of it to them. We start with just a few categories, and then every year they get a raise in salary and a raise in, in responsibility of what, what they have to pay for. And so by the time they graduate, they've had a lot of practice. You know, they're up to like 10, 15 categories, and, and I just give them a salary once a month, and I don't have to deal with all the, can I have money for this? Can I have money for this? And they have to learn how to budget it. They learn how to reconcile. They learn how to do sinking funds, and they get to do it in a safe environment. A lot of parents teach the the three jars or the three envelopes, the saving, giving, spending, and then we don't know where to go from there. Like, how do we go from there to adulthood? There needs to be a transition. Otherwise, we're going to throw them out. You know, that would be like you, you teach your kid to drive. You know, you start out in the parking lot down the road and then you move to the subdivision 
and then you move to a little bit busier road and then you move go out to the main road in your town and then you go to the freeway and then you go to Atlanta right but other well, money this is the way money works for most people we may do a little bit in the parking lot and then we go straight to the Atlanta freeway and that can get you into a whole lot of trouble really fast <laughs> so we just wanted to design it so they could practically practice at home in a safe environment where they could ask questions. How do I reconcile this again? You know, it's easier if you start with one or two categories when you're reconciling. Then when you get out on your own and, oh my word, my debit card has 50 transactions. How do I reconcile all this? Right. So just so they gradually get a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more freedom. And and it eliminates a lot of that stress of, you know, I spent all this money for clothes for you and you don't wear them because you bet if they spent the money, they're going to wear them. <laughs> Buy what they like. I love that analogy of the driving. What do you think of that, Joseph? The the driving, like you go from the parking lot to the Atlanta freeway. Yeah, it's definitely important. I like how with the categories you add on every year. I also think it's really important, as I'm sure you know, um, that they that it's their money that they're spending. And they can yeah. see that and they can see the balance. And I definitely think that, is a way that debit is better than credit um, it, it, in in the sake of like, once their balance goes to zero, like there is, they, it's it's not like a credit card. They can't, you know, keep on doing right. it because they, for the credit card. They- yeah, it, it makes them a whole lot more mindful. Like we go out to eat, you know, they pay for their own food. Okay. And, and they okay. Uh, start getting water. <laughs> so tell me how they're like, do you Venmo each other then? Or how does that, like, it does one, per, do you divide up the check when you go to a restaurant? What an interesting idea. No, they pay their own check. They're on their own check. So, so they learn how to tip. Them. They learn how to tip. A lot of kids don't know how to tip properly. So we don't start out like, oh, you got to do all this at once. The, um, we start out with like little stuff like, oh, we're, we go to the gas station once a week or something, get ICs. Oh, we'll give you all that money at the start of the month. You know, one or two little categories to see how they do. And if they're handle those well, then then we move on to more. Um, yeah, but they, they get more mindful of what they eat and what they spend when you got to eat. And and they get the reward if they, you know, if 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 I take my kids shopping for clothes and we find good deals, um, the average person, if we find good deals, then the mom and dad get the benefit of that, not the kids. So the kids are not motivated to find good deals. But if they have to spend their own money on clothes, they're going to go find the sales and the good deals and wait and use coupons. My kids love coupons. They're like, oh, Subway coupons. You now I'm, I'm regret. Sorry, Joe, that we didn't start this when you were in sixth grade. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we like we always talk about that. We've made money mistakes. We've all made money mistakes, even as adults, we still do. And to share that with our kids and be transparent about it. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like so much of the way we try to teach kids is theory you know, don't get in debt, you know, you know, like if we teach them in school, it's, it's just like a word problem. Basically, if if Joe has $10,000 and he goes to the bank and they give him 3% interest, how much money will he have in a year? Well, that doesn't really affect them. It's just a theoretical problem. But if they had money themselves, put it in the, you know, they're going to remember the lesson. So they remember the lesson so much better than if it was just you know, don't spend more than you make. They know not to spend more than they make because, you know, they're going to be looking for money later. I'm just so intrigued by this idea. Well, you mentioned before about the community that you have of pe- teaching people leadership skills, but you do it gradually as well. Can you talk a little more about that? 
basically the community is just a parenting group. You know, like we post our podcasts on there when we, you know, oh, here's something, a resource for you. Um, but on our podcast, we do, we find people out there that are, that could speak about a certain topic, you know, like um, grief or how to, how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds, you know, just different skills that would help them as they become adults. Um, we've had different teen entrepreneurs that have come on to talk about how they made money, how to start a small business, stuff like that, stuff that would be useful. So for parents like myself who haven't started this, your idea of starting young and giving them different categories, what would you say to parents of older kids Right. start those lessons, even if they're already off on their own? Yeah. Well, he's in college, but is he paying all his own bills? Some. So give give him a salary once a month and how not every you, time he needs something you can kind of, you can kind of think about, it, it might take you a little bit to fit, remember what all do we spend on? You know, yes. mm-hmm. um, I'll put a spending tracker in the, in the page for you guys. And okay. you can just like, Oh, we bought clothes today and it costs this much, you know, and, and you just start keeping a running log of how much we spend on groceries and then like start start releasing that to them like once a month. And then that, that, that way they have time to practice. As long as you're still paying their bills, you can do this. Yes. Okay. What a fun idea. Then when do you stop the salary? I guess that would be my final question. Right. Well, the, the cool thing about the way we teach it is it's personal. It's like personal finance, like whatever you want to do for your family, you can start whatever age you want to start. If they're more mature, you can start sooner. Um, if you don't think they're ready, you can start later. Um, you can stop after high school or after college. You can give as many categories as you want or as few categories. And it doesn't, if you kids buy their clothes at the thrift store and your budget's really tight, it could be based on thrift store prices. If you have more money and you spend a lot of money on your kids, it could be, you know, it's just personal, which is amazing, which is a blessing and a curse is what I say, because you got to figure it out yourself. You can, I can't tell you, you should spend this much every month on your kid. You have to figure it out. It, and it makes you more mindful. Oh, wow. I really am spending a lot of money on these kids. <laughs> And also you can offload that onto. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it relieves a lot of the parent child stress, like the clothing, you know, I don't feel bad because I'm not the one that bought it. You're the one that bought it. If you're not going to wear it, it's all on you. Okay. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I have no qualms with this. Yeah. That, okay. We, we might need to get this started. So, <laughs> well, now let's turn to the questions that we ask everyone on the podcast and um, to teach uh, Joe and myself and anyone listening uh, more about money. So um, what would be your top three money tips? And you can certainly focus on teens or, um, or the general population as well. Right. I would say from your very first job, make savings a habit. I would suggest 10% or you could do more because a lot of people don't start saving until they're like in their thirties and then they got to play catch up. But if you start and you you, you automatically do that and, and tell yourself, pretend like it's not even there, right? The IRS found the power of this out. When they first started and they started taxing people, they didn't take it off the top. And it would come time for taxes and nobody had any money. So they automatically take it out. You don't even think about it. Pretend like you're the second IRS or something, you know, just take it out and don't even think about it. You know, everyone has this complaint that they don't make enough money. And it's amazing because they all have different salaries. They all have different amount of kids. They all live in different parts of the country. They all have different jobs. You know, there is a basic amount you have to have to survive. 
But for most people, you know, whether they're making 50, 75, 100, they all say, I don't make enough money. And that cannot be true because they're not all making the same amount. It's mostly your habits. And if you can learn to live on the 90%, people would adjust and learn how to live, right? So just pretend like you don't even have it. That's my, that's my first tip. Um, my second tip would be to automate as much as you can. A lot of people have, have a problem with the savings part. Well, have it automatically come out of your um, paycheck first. Uh, this is the beauty of 401ks. Like you can get it automatically taken out and it's so much trouble to change it that you will keep taking because <laughs> you don't, you'll find a way if something comes up to get the money somewhere else rather than to go to your 401k, just because it's so much work. And my last tip would be, this is something that took me a while to figure out. Get one month ahead of your, of your bills. So if you get some extra money, try to get a month ahead so that you are paying this month's bills with last month's income. Because so many people are paying this month's bills with this month's income and they have $2 left after they pay their bills in their account and there's no margin. If you can just get one month ahead and forget that you're a month ahead, you will be so much more at peace. You're not going to be checking your account every time to make sure you know something didn't bounce. That's just one of my little tips. I mean, something that goes hand in hand with your second one about the 401k is uh, taking advantage of the 401k match that a lot yes. of people give you. Yes. And you're making sure to ask HR, you know, if you don't know, and then uh, getting that. And especially, you know, at your age, the, the younger you are, I would look into the Roth mm-hmm. because the Roth, it's after tax, but you guys aren't going to pay a lot of tax when you're first starting out. So basically, you're not really being taxed, especially in college and high school. You know, the first 12000 I think it is, you don't get taxed on. So if you only made 12000 then none of it's taxed. And if you have a problem with like, if you, if you have a separate savings account, that's not 401k or Roth. Um, if you have a problem with wanting to spend your savings, put it somewhere in a separate account. That's a little harder to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also for teens having a Roth, which I'm a big fan of is they have so much more time to grow the account yes. and then it's always tax-free unlike a regular IRA or 401k, which you do eventually have to pay taxes on. Right. I'm not sure if these numbers are exactly right, but I saw something that if you invested the same amount of money from when you were maybe 20 to 30 and then left until you were 65, it would be more than if you invested from 30 to 65 the whole way. Yeah. Um, without, so that's so much just okay. the power of compound interest and investing yeah. early. Even if you don't think you have that much money, what you put in now is worth so much more, even 10 years from now, eventually. Okay. And so, Joseph, what is the reverse? Where, where do we see the reverse of the compound interest working in your favor? Do you know? If you, if you put in, oh, uh, with credit card debt? Yes, credit cards. Okay. So the, the credit card bank is doing the opposite to you. So they're charging you all of that. So, mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's growing. You're not paying it. You know, you end up paying two or three times what you what the thing cost, and it's probably not worth it by the time you finish paying it off if you only pay the minimums. So it's, it can either work against you, like you can either be pushing the snowball down the hill, or it could be rolling down on top of you. And with like financing some things, sometimes I like I'm at a store or something, and then and then I'll I'll glance at you know like 
you, you can buy it for like $200 today or like a total of like $450. And I was like, why would you? Because it's something some that I think it's a non-essential like electronic. It's like a pair of headphones or something. A lot of people don't think about that though. They just think, what can I get it for? And what's monthly payment? Less for this month. Yeah. Right. And what's the best money choice you've made? It's not actually a one-time choice. It's more like a lifetime. Decide to be a learner. I'm going to commit to always investing in myself and growing my mind and learning new things. The average person, they spend at least a hundred bucks a month on cable. I'm not saying don't get cable, but if you could spend at least the same amount as you're willing to spend on something that's really not going to benefit you and growing your mind and learning new things and then putting it into practice, not just because you can learn and learn and learn and never do anything. But but learn and then be willing to put it into practice. Nowadays, you know, when we were young, there weren't that many options. It was just college was the only place to learn. But now you can go online, you can YouTube stuff, you can Google stuff. You know, as long as you find a reliable source, there is so many options open to you to learn about money, about anything, really. I, I don't know if you guys saw in our book, we built a house. We had no construction experience. We took a two-day class and came home and built a house. It took us three and a half years. But, but you just YouTubing and Googling it. Did you you didn't did you subcontract anything out? Um near the end, we were tired at the end. We it was a log cabin. So we um, peeled all the logs, stacked all the forklift. Um, but the interior we we subbed a lot of it out because we were tired. We did the subbed out the plumbing and the um electrical and the interior woodwork and stuff but yeah you can learn pretty much anything if you're willing to be a learner that's amazing especially with when it comes to finance i feel as if the people think they can't diy that they think oh i need a financial advisor i need someone to but there is so much you can learn and with online things today you can have your own account you can open your own roth ira you can do all those things you don't need uh, somebody else it doesn't mean you yeah. can get good advice but there's so much you can do on your own and you really are responsible for knowing as much as you can about it right so, um, and don't be afraid of making mistakes yeah so and then people don't act. They're so afraid they're going to mess it up. So what the, the best lessons I learned was when I messed up and I'm not saying go blow all your money, but oh, just be willing to say, I'm, I'm going to try this. I've learned as much as I can. I'm willing to take a risk, you know, a calculated knowledgeable risk, not just like mm-hmm. I'm going to go put all my money in this one stock, but really think about I've learned. I think I'm making a good decision, you know, and that will help you in your job. That will help you your whole life. If you're willing to learn anything, You'll, you'll go to the top of your field if you can learn anything. Our next question is, do you have a, a favorite, what's a favorite book or podcast, online article related to money? My favorite book right now is Set for Life by Scott Trench. Oh, like um, I read that a couple months ago on the way to FinCon. I was, we were flying to FinCon and I was reading it. And Scott is on the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. I really love that book because, well, I, I deal with teens and young adults and I that's my number one recommendation right now for young adults to read. And are you familiar uh, with the fire movement, Joseph? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So f- fire is for those people that don't know, financially independent, retire early. And I had heard about it and I could never quite wrap my head around it. Like, 
Yeah, but how? How does that work for a person on average income and, you know, and with all these kids? How do you how could you possibly do that? And he really lays it out for people especially your age. You're just starting out. So it is so easy to get sucked into the American dream and do what everybody else is doing, which is I'm going to go to college and I may get a lot of loans and I'm going to go out there and as soon as I graduate, get a job, I'm going to buy a house and a car and have no margin, you know, and then maybe when I'm 30, I'll start putting away money to return for retirement. And I may or may not have enough <laughs> at the end, you know, to live on. And he kind of like makes you really think about, does it have to be that way? Really? Like, can I do it a little different? And would it really, really affect me that much? He talks a lot about house hacking, which I had never heard before. Um, not too long ago, I just, when I started listening to bigger pockets, that's when I, oh man, that makes a lot of sense. So like some of my kids, my, my middle kids, they're, they're like, it's inevitable. We're going to have to buy a duplex. That's, <laughs> that's going to have to be our first house mom and dad are going to push that too much. Um, but it makes so much sense. I mean, why, why do we have to become a prisoner almost of, of your own choices, you and housing is your number one expense. So when you're young and you don't have any kids or you're not married yet, that is the time to start. When you can make the biggest difference, that'll cut years off of the end of your career if you want it to, right? And then it just gives you choices. Mm -hmm. You know, you can really do what you want to do, not what you have to do. You know, if you want to go volunteer somewhere and you're financially independent and you can just do that. You know, right. so I would really read that book, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. And what's your favorite book, podcast, piece of media that uh, isn't related to money? The One Thing by Gary Keller. He started Keller Williams Realty. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He has written a lot of finance books too. But he just talks about we're such busy people. And it's so easy to feel like we're doing, doing, doing. We're we're checking things off our to-do list, but we're not getting anywhere. We're not making any real headway. And he says, you know, focus on the one thing. What is the one thing you can do every day that's going to move you closer to your goal? And you do that first, you know, you're, you're always going to have to do other stuff, but you need to make sure you're working towards your one thing. For me, like, you know, I'll have a list of stuff to do, but then the thing that sucks me in is housework. Like, I feel like I'm being productive and I know it needs to be done. And I, and, and I have come to realize that is an avoidance move for me. Cause I'm like, well, we need to live in a clean house, you know? but I know it's a delay tactic because there's other stuff I should be doing, but I not, don't necessarily want to do. And, that, and that's the thing when you're self-employed, it's like, it's great, but it's not great. <laughs> the Gretchen Rubin on the happier podcast calls it procrastinating. So that right. see, there's a name for it. I didn't know there was a name for it. Yeah, procrastinating. And then also, but I think also that's a, that can be a good thing because if you, sometimes if you focus on something else briefly and then you do have a clear space, that can be a mind clearing thing as well as just, okay, I've tackled something. Now I can tackle the other things. But I think it is, it's easy to use it as an excuse to not do the, those one things. Yeah. And then what's your top, uh, adulting hack and this can be money related but it doesn't have to be my top adulting hack would be to always have a couple of emergency meals in your house for um, something comes up i don't have time to cook dinner what's something what's something that we have in the house that i can cook real fast 
They'll keep you away from fast food and going to restaurants. Like it could be something, something simple for a college student. It could be something like a bowl of cereal. Do I got a bowl of cereal mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or a frozen pizza at our house? It'd be like spaghetti noodles, a jar of spaghetti sauce. I like to um, cook up a whole bunch of ground beef and put them in individual bags, mm-hmm. like a, a pound or two in each bag so that you could always grab, you know, spaghetti tacos. You have a base for whatever. That way, I think cooking is something that it's so easy to get because you got to do it every day. You know, you got you got to find a, a few things that no matter what happens, I can go grab that. <laughs> it just makes it easier, especially if you got kids because they like to eat. I don't know if yours are like that. <laughs> that's weird. Nice. That's a good one. That And food is another big area of expense, right? Housing, food, yeah. and cars, they say. So, yeah. A lot of people don't know how to cook. Yeah. So Joe, you, what about Joseph? You, or what would be some of your favorite go-to meals? I can make eggs in a couple of different ways. Yeah. Eggs is a good, but I have one of my girls loves, loves to make desserts too. She would, uh, when she was in high school, she would, and she wanted extra money because we have this deal, five kids, you know, not a lot of extra money. So we would have this deal. Like if you want to go on an extra trip at school, we're fine with you going, but you have to come up with the money. So she would post on my Facebook, Hey, I'm offering these three desserts um, nice. for this amount of money, put in an order. And that's how she would raise her money to go on trips. Yeah. Um, I remember I used to make from like Joanne, no, from Michael's, I would get materials and I would make like bracelets for my mom's friends. And then I would sell them um, to them at a shoot. She had a reading group. And then I would go to that and then like sell them to them there. And I kind of forgot about that, but I guess that was one of my first businesses and then lemonade stands. But I think, I, I think I might have a couple actually still yeah. in, my, in my box. I'll have to go fish those out. See if I can restart the business, get it online, get a website. Sell to all the girls in the dorm. Yeah. So, well, Rachel, where can people find out more about you and your work? Um, you could go to my website, rachelmurphycoaching.com. And you can find me and my kids on the Raising Confident Teens podcast. There's a good variety of different things on there. And you can find my book on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and any of the other online book retailers. It's called I Am Not Your ATM. And I will set up a page for you guys, uh, rachelmurphycoaching.com slash teach. And I'll put a bunch of free resources on there for anybody that wants to look at them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy here that there are other moms with their teens on podcasts you know are not alone in this space yeah i have a 14 year old and a 15 year old that do most of it because the others are out of the house but yeah every once in a while they're like oh mom do i gotta do it this week <laughs> but i think it's i mean this is this great scholarship material for you joseph like you can you can write scholarships about what you, you learned you know the essays yeah and just stacking those talents on top of each other learning all the things about a yeah, and you're learning how to talk, interview people. And, and I appreciate you guys letting me come on and chat with you. You guys have been great. All right. Thank you so much, Rachel. That was a fantastic conversation. Thank you again, Rachel, for taking the time to talk with us. And Joseph and I have had some fun conversations about the idea of a family salary. So we're in negotiations about that. 
Thanks again for listening today. You can hear, you can read the podcast notes for this episode and all the episodes at yourmoneymom.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. 